welcome to the Bikes and Podcast, a podcast about bikes, but more about the people that ride them, the communities that they build, and the stories they create than conversations about the latest shock technology, wheel sizes, and how to improve your Strava time. Every two weeks, I interview people with a story to tell, an event to promote, or a cause they are passionate about. If you'd like to be on the podcast or have an idea for a story I should cover, please contact us. You can go to the bikesand.net website and click on contact in the navbar. My Twitter handle is at mybikesand and my Instagram feed can be found at bikes.and. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Bikes and Podcast and that you have a great ride. Before we get started on today's podcast, I thought you might be interested in learning about a great movie available on Amazon Prime, Amazon.com, and Amazon Instant Watch. Spiders Will Eat Your Face, or How America Got Pet Tarantulas. How have tarantulas become a pet in the USA? How is something like that allowed, legal, or safe? This original American practice of keeping tarantulas has its roots in the Wild West, a U.S. government waging war on Mexico, racial relations, and even the great Louis Pasteur. Told in stop motion, Mike Fallock meets experts, dealers, and collectors who show you how the world of spiders works. You can find a link to this movie on the bikesand.net website. Now to today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 20, Bikes and Gorilla Gravity. This episode comes to you from the Denver headquarters of Gorilla Gravity, manufacturers of badass mountain bikes made for going fast. And that is Gorilla as in Che Guevara and not Gorilla as in King Kong. You can find more details about their bikes by visiting ridegg.com. As I am a fan of A, mountain bikes, and B, going fast, I am looking forward to talking to the team about their brand, their story, and what makes their awesome bikes so awesome. Gorilla Gravity Bike Frames are designed and built in-house in Denver, Colorado, not very far away from Mile High Stadium, home of the Denver Broncos. The company is led by its president, Will Montague, its chief engineer, Matt Giraffe, and uh, head of marketing, Christy Anderson. All three come from quite different backgrounds. Matt, for example, has a background in both racing car and aerospace design. But as you might expect, they share a passion for building a mountain bike that you are stoked to ride for a long time. Joining me today is Matt, Chief Engineer. Matt, welcome to the Bike Sound Podcast. Thanks. Um, okay, the name, Gorilla Gravity, is obviously pretty unique. Can you give us some insight into what that name is and where it came from? Yep, so, uh, you know, we started out of downhill racing, mm. and uh, so the name, literally, the gorilla part is a community-driven effort to spark change, mm-hmm. and gravity is the fun part of biking, so that was basically how it came together, as we were looking to do a community-driven effort to spark change, you know, based around the fun part of biking, so it was just right. kind of a literal definition, per se. Yeah. Well, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by the community part. How, how does that fit into your brand? Yeah, so part of the original branding goal or kind of idea was that some of the bigger bike companies we saw losing touch with the actual riders and communities. Mm -hmm. We saw things being pushed as more expensive and more complicated, not really for the benefit of the rider. Mm -hmm. 
So that was kind of a goal from the get-go. Yeah. And it kind of ties in with the writer direct and made in houses. We're just more connected with the actual writers ourselves. Right. Absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll come on to the unique aspect in terms of your Colorado roots and how you connect into the Colorado mountain biking scene in a moment. But can you give us um, some insight into, you know, if you were to tell someone what makes a, a Gorilla Gravity bike so awesome, um, what is that? What makes your bike so great? So there's a handful of things. So uh, riders can get exactly what they want. Uh, so they're all customizable. So if you want a certain color, you know, powder coat with decals and you want this build kit or you want this budget, mm-hmm. you know, they we want everybody to be on a Gorilla Gravity bike, but everybody to be on a unique Gorilla Gravity bike. Mm-hmm. So everybody gets to customize it. Uh, if you don't want to, you don't have to. We have some pretty awesome base builds that uh, are still popular. But mm-hmm. So that's pretty a unique aspect in that sense. Uh, and then people can also come in here and when they're demoing a bike or just checking the place out, you can see where they're actually made. Uh, and you may actually be able to hear the welder going on in the I background. Can, yeah. So that's, you know, the bikes are being made in the room next to us. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a unique aspect. And then also just our philosophy of, you know, we're not trying to add flashy, complicated things just for marketing sake. Our focus is really on how the bike is owned and ridden. Mm-hmm. So we don't do things like routing brake hoses inside the frame because it's a giant pain in the ass. No doubt. Uh, every bike every, every <laughs> bike mechanic is probably cheering you at this point. Yeah, it looks pretty in pictures on the internet, but it's <laughs> just a pain in the ass. So yeah, it doesn't make you go any faster. Exactly. As, yeah, Slower, actually, because, you know, I've been in a race before, in an enduro race, uh-huh. and uh, had my front brake pads fall out during stage one uh-huh. and had to switch to a different brake uh, you know, between stage one and stage two. And if the brake hose was rotted through the frame, I wouldn't have been able to continue. Yeah, so I just pulled true. the brake off and, you know, had a spare or borrowed one or something and put it on there. Yeah. Granted, that was the front. So, you know, there's, I don't know of any bikes that run the front through the frame, but, uh, you know, that could easily been the rear. So yeah. it's just one example. Uh, and then some other things like the, uh, you know, the bikes, we tend to be, it seems like we're constantly ask, answering questions about like, how am I going to ride a bike with such a steep uh, C-tube angle? Or how do I ride a bike with such a long reach? So we're always on the leading edge of geometry trends. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so that's kind of a unique aspect as people are getting kind of the latest in geometry trend, trends. We uh, spend a lot of time on kinematics refinements. So. You know, the bikes ride well, uh, and also being rider direct, uh, we're usually one of the first to get all the new components, like all the model year 2018 stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're already getting it and shipping it out to riders, whereas in a lot of the big box brands, riders wouldn't be getting that until, you know, kind of winter time. Yeah. So there's a lot of aspects to it. What What is your connection to biking? Uh well, I'm originally from Missouri, mm-hmm. uh, and so originally was just kind of into more like motorsports. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I went to engineering school, uh, I had a few friends that rode mountain bikes, and it always looked pretty fun, and I was riding around campus on a BMX bike, and then also got a trials bike mm-hmm. to go, you know, grind up some concrete features around campus. Right. Uh, and then when I uh, got the job uh, right out of school at the Vehicle Dynamics and Race Car Engineering Company, it was here in Denver. Right. 
And so I had a couple of buddies that rode mountain bikes and said, okay, I'm moving to Denver. I'm going to buy a mountain bike. Something what should I get? That's right. <laughs> so uh, it just seemed like the thing to do. Yeah. How did, uh, how did you get to know Will? Uh, well, after I moved out, I started mountain biking. And, of course, within the first week that I was here, I was, you know, at Keystone Resort in the middle of the summer with my old XC bike, mm-hmm. you know, crashing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> quickly found out that was a lot of fun. And uh, then the next summer, I uh, was just spending a lot of time up at the resorts, uh, riding chairlifts. Uh, and then not too long after that, I was looking to get into some form of racing. And it was either going to be racing... Uh, these street-based motorcycles, like road course mm-hmm. motorcycle racing, or downhill mountain bikes. And even though everyone says mountain bikes cost as much as motorcycles, it's not true. I looked into it, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> racing motorcycles was just something that was way out of the budget. And so right, I decided, right. well, I'm going to race downhill mountain bikes then. Right. Uh, so I started doing that, and uh, Will worked at the bike shop that I went to at the time. And towards the end of, I think, the second season racing downhill, uh, Red Bull was putting on this 12-hour downhill race at Angel Fire, mm-hmm. which sounded awesome. And uh, I wanted to do it as a two-man team instead of trying to do 12 hours by myself. And I was looking around for somebody that was around the same skill level that had kind of a, you know, the mentality to race downhill for 12 hours, which is kind of yeah. keep going no matter what happens. Yeah. And I uh, kind of met Will, and he said he was interested in doing it. So we started riding together. And I was like, oh, this he'll make a good teammate. We're about the same speed. And, you know, if his uh, shifter fell off, I don't think it would stop him. So <laughs> it was a good combo for racing for 12 hours. So we did that. Right. Started racing together. And then I had always been trying to do some sort of entrepreneurial venture. Uh, I had an engineering company uh, that I did side projects on. Uh, outside of the day job mm-hmm. and I looked into building bike frames and stuff at the time and kind of hadn't jumped forward on it totally and uh, he had been kind of doing the same thing because his background's all in business so <clears throat> obviously uh, being an engineer and riding mountain bikes and racing them I always had ideas of things I would do differently and better mm-hmm. and so he had kind of a similar idea from the business and marketing aspect so then after a little bit of convincing, we decided to go ahead and go for it. Very cool. Now, how long ago was that? When did you start the company? Uh, that was the beginning of 2011. Okay. Uh, and it took us, 2013 was the first production year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the GGDH. So that bike, uh, yeah, we did 2011 and 2012 was basically design, test, and prototype. Mm-hmm. And then 2013 was that first production year. Uh, and then the second half of 2013 was when uh, I left the corporate world. And then the full time, I was just kind of cut the cord. And uh, that it was the end of the first summer uh, that I just was full time GG. And that was when we moved into this commercial space. And that was uh, making and selling a, a handful of downhill bikes. And then I just got started full time on designing the Mega Trail. Right. So uh, you started off with the downhill. I'm assuming that GGDH stands for Gorilla Gravity Downhill. Yep, and so that was from the very beginning we wanted to do a naming theme and we decided to do it inspired after band names. So, of course, that was inspired from (laughs) ACDC. And what have you evolved to now? What does the range of Gorilla Gravity bikes look like today? Uh, So we've gone 
Megadeth, we've gone Motorhead, <laughs> we've gone good. Sex Pistols, excellent, and now we've gone The Clash. What's the <laughs> Sex Pistols connection? That's the Trail Pistol. There you go. And yeah. uh, The Clash? The Clash is the new bike just launched yesterday, which is the Smash. Nice. Okay. And then, uh, of course, the pedal head was named after Motorhead. Yeah. And the Mega Trail is named after Megadeth. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So that would be... So at this point now, with the launch of the Smash, we've got everything from... Uh, the pedal head being chromoly steel hardtail that does mm -hmm. 29 or 27 plus mm -hmm. wheels and tires. Uh, we have the trail pistol, which is a 29 or 27 plus shorter travel bike, full suspension. Mm -hmm. We have the smash, which is a longer travel, full suspension, 29. Mm -hmm. The shred dog, which the name is based off of Snoop Dogg. Uh, the shred dog was uh, originally named the Megatrail SS when we came out with it. Uh, we renamed it to its own name just due to confusion. Nice. That's a mid-travel 27.5-inch wheel. The Mega Trail is a longer travel 27.5-inch wheel. And then GGDH is a full downhill bike. So we've got the full range of hardtail to downhill bike with kind of everything in between with right. travel and wheel size options. So you haven't covered off on Led Zeppelin or Sabbath <laughs> at this point. So Yeah, so there's lots of good bands. There really so, are know. quite a few to go. Yeah. <laughs> we could continue to make more bikes yet. You could, indeed. Taking a bit of a mid-podcast break here to tell you about the movie Spiders Will Eat Your Face. We hope you check out the film, which is about tarantulas as pets today, and how the tarantula is wrapped up with some of America's hardest moments, including the annexation of Mexico, the Wild West, rabies, and the Civil War. Available on Amazon Prime, Amazon.com, and Amazon Instant Watch. Now back to the podcast with Matt Giraffa from Gorilla Gravity. Um, now I think I'm, and I hope I'm right in saying this, that your bikes are all, or none of your bikes are carbon. Correct. Is that still the case? Well, unless you want to go on a molecular level. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, Ignoring no, the molecular connection, <laughs> yeah. so says the engineer um, and the physics nerd. Uh, then, um, but but I'm right in saying that, right? Yep. So the uh, the hardtail is chromoly steel. Yeah. So it's harder to work with. It takes longer to make them, and it's more expensive. Right. Uh, we do that because it rides better. Right. All the full suspension bikes are made out of uh, aluminum. Right. So what we uh, are now referring to in our marketing speak as grain structure modified rocket grade aluminum. Very good. Yes. That's very good. Um, where do you find your welders from? Because obviously they're, they're very important in this environment. Yep. So our, uh, our welder was actually one of the main welders at Titus back in their heyday. Mm. Uh, so, you know, if anyone's been riding an old Titus for a long time since their heyday, mm -hmm. there's a good chance he may have welded that one. Mm -hmm. uh, so we met him uh, a few years in. He's uh, the second production welder that we've had. Mm -hmm. It's pretty awesome. And he's full-time? Yep. Here at this facility. How many people do you employ here? Uh, I think seven. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Do you think you'll get to a point soon where you'll have to look for a larger, larger premises? Uh, well, we have actually, we actually have more space than we're using right now. We just have a, another unit subleased out that's ready to go when we're uh, bursting at the seams, which right. will probably be pretty soon yeah. yet again. Because yeah, we expanded uh, just late last year. Uh, the building that we're in originally was a shorter lease. The owners were going to redevelop this property. Right. Uh, they decided to put that off for a handful of more years, so we just signed an extension and grabbed more space while we were at it. Right. So we grabbed, uh, renewed the lease on our unit and then grabbed the two units next to us. Yeah. 
Okay. So, and we've already expanded into one of those, and then we've got another one yet to expand into. Excellent. So, um, uh, judging from everything you've said and what I've read about, uh, you are a very um, uh, being being a Colorado brand is very important to you, uh, but also manufacturing in the U.S. is also a big part of your business. Yep. Um, what what does that does that mean to you? What's that connection? So there's a big disconnect when uh, you produce anything and have it manufactured on the other side of the world, really, mm-hmm. or design anything and have it made elsewhere. Right. Uh, when we make things, you know, when we're manufacturing things in the room next to where they're designed. Uh, there's just there's a synergy that you can't get when it's on the other side of the world because yeah. I can walk in the other room and see exactly how it's done and there's so many fine details that can make such a difference in manufacturing mm-hmm. that you just wouldn't uh, you just wouldn't know about if right. you weren't involved deeply with it right. and just having our bikes now we're you know several gener or several iterations of design in. Uh, we've worked in just design for manufacturing of what we've learned and you know there's so much more to be gained in efficiency by making things yourself yeah absolutely and we're also we don't have to wait in line behind five other bike companies where right. we you know when we wanted to do a longer travel 29er when we said okay we're going to do this it was four months later that the press dropped yeah so it's you can't do that if you have to submit a po and you know wait eight months to get bikes in yeah exactly I, I did read in a Denver Post article uh, that was 2016, I think it was, uh, maybe a little earlier, uh, that the goal at that point was to provide a facility where you could manufacture frames for other companies who are up-and-coming bike brands. Um, has that materialized? Is that something that you're you're doing now? or is it uh, It's not something we're doing now. Uh, we've always had some interest here and there on it. Uh, I think in the past, whenever we've quoted that, we've not quite been to the uh, efficiency level where it makes sense for us to make it and then be able to make a profit and sell it to somebody else who can then sell it and still make profit. Uh, You know, it kind of seems like those inquiries come in waves. It's been a minute since we've done one. Uh, So, I mean, we're currently not doing it. At some point, maybe. Right. Uh, Right now, we're just trying to increase capacity just to make our own bikes so right. it's not something we've ever really chased right and and speaking of uh, outlets like um do you have a, a retail partners as well as walk-ins and, and other things like that yep so uh you know we want to part of the community thing is we don't want to leave your you know local bike shop out of the picture right uh, so obviously we're rider direct and most of our sales are people coming direct to us, but you know, there's a lot of really good bike shops out of there Indeed. and we wanted to help support them right. and work together with them to get bike or get riders on GG bikes. Mm-hmm. So we have a shop direct program. So any bike shop can sell GG bikes, uh, to their customers. So if there's a customer that's looking for a GG bike and they want to order it through their local bike shop, there's a solution for that. So the bike shop can sell the customer the bike. The bike shop just submits the order through us, and right. then we give them a margin. And so it's a pretty simple program. There's no commitments or anything. So right. we do actually have partners in that way. Uh, and we some of those shops also, we have them, uh, shops that have actual GG demo bikes that they stock. Right. Those we call outposts. Mm-hmm. So we've got a handful scattered around. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned in your introduction that the one of the uh, greatest things about GG bikes is the customizability piece. Yep. So 
if they're working directly with you, that's a relatively easy thing to, to arrange. Yep. Um, if they walk into a bike retailer, how do they work with you in terms of that customization piece? Yeah, so we put a lot of work in our website for that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when someone orders a bike, even if they call us up over the phone and submit the order over the phone, all we do is we pull up our website on the other end of the phone right. and we just put the order in directly through our website. Right. And so that's the same thing that a bike shop would do with their customer. If a customer walks into a local bike shop, you just pull up ridegg.com, right. go to the bike you want, uh, go to build kits, and then choose accordingly. Right. And then they can just, then the bike shop would just uh, sell it to the customer right then and then call us up and submit the order. Right. Um, have you ever um, ever defined what's sort of thrown around there as a big, hairy, audacious goal? Like, what's the, what's the biggest that you want to be? Uh, we'd like to be pissing off some of the bigger companies. <laughs> <laughs> One thing we've always kind of joke, half joked about is if we got sued by Specialized, it would be a, a major you know, goal or you, triumph. You'd pin the cease and desist yeah. on your wall. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope that hasn't happened. I know we're joking about it, but I hope it hasn't happened yet. Nope, no, nope, it's not on the wall. <laughs> it's not on the wall yet. Um, I, I know there are a number of other bike manufacturers in Colorado. Are you all connected through some association or? Uh, you know, we're not. And uh, I've thought before about creating that because yeah. we probably should. Yeah, uh, I would say we're friends with most of them. Right. Uh, and you know the handful of them helped us out here and there and we helped them out here and there and we definitely definitely have a good relationship with a number of them right uh yeah there's not like a colorado frame builders association but right you know it would definitely be a, a cool thing yeah i think it would i was when i did was again when i was doing research for this podcast i did see how many bike manufacturers there are in colorado yep. and whilst there's really only one or two that are huge um, there are a lot of smaller brands that, you know, together we stand divided, we fall type Yeah, scenario. so Mike. actually manufacturers, uh, there's not a ton. Okay. So I, I'm just referring more to brands than oh, manufacturers. Yeah, yeah. Yep, so if we were going to do that, it, we would do like a manufacturers I group. see, yeah. Uh, but, you know, yeah. That doesn't exist to my knowledge. Right, yeah. I don't, I don't think it, I don't, don't, don't think it does. Um, so, um, uh, someone who wants to order a bike from you can just go to ridegg.com. Um, yep. They can go into any retailer, for that matter, and, and work through them yep. on the creation of that. Um, are there any other ways that someone could connect with you? Yeah, so well, those are the easiest. Uh, social media, people connect with us that way. Right. Uh, walk in the shop, so physically. Uh, and then also we have just to try to help uh, get our bikes under riders. So we have what we call brand ambassadors and motivated free sellers, oh, nice. BAMFs. Right. So which would be riders that we have uh, <coughs> scattered about in areas that is say, difficult for us to get demo bikes out to right. with any sort of frequency. Right. Uh, and so sometimes, you know, if say there's a rider in uh, Oregon or something that is looking to try a GG bike, we have some BAMFs in Oregon and we can just set them up with there. Right. And then, they could go check out the bike. Right. Do you, do you have any kind of uh, trail days where someone can come and um, meet you guys and uh, uh, try your bikes out or at a Keystone or one of those yep. types of things? 
Yep, so ridegg.com slash events is a page go. that we update a lot. Uh, so that has uh, group ride days. It has trail work, dig days. We have demo events on there, yep. uh, camping weekends on there. So, yeah, all the above. So they're right. all a good time. So we're pretty much in the main chunk of the season. We do uh, one of those sort of events every week. Right. So it's either a group ride or a trail dig day or a demo event or something like that. The, uh, the trail day, so is that in any way connected to – uh, Comba, because I know that's where we met. I'm yep. just wondering if you work with them. Uh, yep. So, uh, and actually, some of the trail dig days. I know we what we've done last year and what we have planned. Uh, I know we work with the Friends of Jeffco group, or, which is I think now called the Giddy Up. Oh, the Giddy Up, right? Yeah, I'm the sure. Giddy Up crew. Yeah. So, because they uh, they put in quite a bit of work to kind of uh, you know coordinate trail work for you know on Jeffco trails yeah exactly yeah that was uh, the first giddy up was last year right I yep think there's a new one another one this year yep yeah so yeah it's been that crew's done a pretty awesome job at really uh, kind of getting Jeffco to recognize mountain biking more yeah. and kind of get all of us mountain bikers involved on Jeffco trails so it's right. been a pretty awesome thing have you bumped into Ben Davis on your travels by any chance I believe so. Yeah. Uh, I'm He's sure I'd heavily recommend. involved in the in the giddy up. Yep, so, I have met him. Yeah, he works with uh, Ken Gart and a bunch of those guys in terms of the uh, at the state level, and then heavily involved with the with the uh, giddy up as well. Yep. Uh, great. Well, um, I think you've you've given us a great insight, Matt, into uh, Gorilla Gravity's bikes. Thank you very much for your time. You're uh, welcome. Um, and uh, again, if you want to know more about um, uh, Gorilla Gravity, go to ridegg.com. We will put a link to that on our website. And um, if you want to reach out to them, I'm sure they'd be very happy to hear from you. Definitely. Uh, but thank you on a very busy Tuesday evening for meeting with me, uh, Matt. You're welcome. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, good luck. Thanks. All right. Just before we end today's podcast, don't forget to check out the movie Spiders Will Eat Your Face, available on Amazon Prime, Amazon.com, and Amazon Instant Watch. Mm-hmm.